More people have filed for unemployment in America since the pandemic began than live in the entire country of Canada. I'm CNN Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles in for David Chalian. This is The Daily DC. More than 38 million people have filed for unemployment after 2.4 million more Americans apply within the last week. Still, the country is reopening. And as Memorial Day weekend kicks off the summer, President Trump is pledging that the country will not close down again, even if the virus resurges in the fall. We're not going to close the country. We're going to put out the fires. Whether it's an ember or a flame, we're going to put it out. But uh, we're not closing our country. But with the virus far from contained, the fight over whether further action needs to be taken or if more action is needed at all is just getting underway in Washington. Although many Republicans have doubts, President Trump pledged that another stimulus was coming. I think we will. I think we're going to be helping people out. We're going to be getting some money for them during the artificial, because it really is, it's an artificial closure. But I would say there could be one more nice shot. We'll have to see what Senate Republicans think about that statement from President Trump. So joining me in a second to discuss more on the impact on small businesses will be Leadbury CEO Paul Tribble. But first, let's go to business and politics correspondent Vanessa Yurkevich to help us understand more on the ongoing economic crisis. Vanessa, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. So Vanessa, I know the impact on small business in particular is something that you have focused a lot of your reporting on in the past month or so. And I just mentioned these unemployment numbers. I know that all 50 states are reopening in some capacity. Is that number trending down? Put that into context for us. The number is definitely trending down. So we had about 2.4 million Americans who filed for unemployment last week. That is down significantly from the peak. And there are a couple reasons why. The first reason is that the states are clearing the backlog of people who have applied for unemployment. So you see this surge in the beginning. They're processing as fast as they can. They're not getting to everyone. And now they're starting to really clear the backlog of people who have been waiting weeks, if not months, for unemployment. But the second reason is you are starting to see states reopen. So you're seeing people start to bring jobs back online. People start to either get off unemployment or go back to their jobs before they even considered applying for unemployment. But the thing to watch, Ryan, is the reopening, trying to figure out if consumers are going to still go to restaurants, if they're still going to shop in stores. And that will really indicate whether or not employees will start coming back in a big way. You also need to look at this health crisis. Are we going to see a second wave? A lot of employers are very concerned about that. A second wave could mean that a spike in these unemployment claims happen again. But right now, we are starting to see that downward trend. And that is sort of good news, as good news as we can get, but obviously 2.4 million Americans filing last week, Ryan, I mean, that is still an extraordinary number. Yeah, it's very similar to how we talk about the impact of the virus on people's health. These numbers, when they seem to sound better, are still terrible in the context of how this is impacting the economy in general. So let's talk about the states that have been hit the hardest. Georgia is the worst in the country right now. 39.3% of workers there filing for unemployment. Where else in the country are we seeing places that are being particularly hard hit and why? 
So sort of the top five exists of Georgia, Kentucky, Hawaii, Michigan. Georgia has just such a diverse industry. You have the airlines there, you have the service industry. They're being very hard hit. Kentucky was interesting to me because they have such a small population, 4.5 million people in the entire state alone, but they have a very high manufacturing workforce. So about 13% of their workforce is manufacturing. That's higher than the national average. So they've been particularly hard hit because that industry manufacturing has been significantly impacted. Hawaii has been particularly hard hit because of tourism. People simply aren't traveling to Hawaii on vacations anymore. So that population, that workforce is suffering. And in Michigan, the big three automakers, Ford, GM, Chrysler, they closed for two months. And when those plants closed, there's a ripple effect. Every one auto worker represents seven other jobs. So you're talking about people who fix cars, talking about people who supply auto parts to the automakers. Those people were affected and thus filed for unemployment. But the plants now, Ryan, are starting to come back online. So that's good news. We could see some of those jobs starting to come back. We know the president was actually just at Ford in Michigan yesterday, checking out what's going on there. So Michigan will be a key state to watch because of the manufacturing. And Ryan, you know better than anyone, it is a battleground state in 2020. And what's interesting, too, though, about the big automakers is it's one thing to get the plants back up and running, but do people still want to buy new cars? It's not just about getting those manufacturing lines back up and running. It's whether or not the consumer interest is there. So let's talk about how the government is trying to help these businesses stay afloat during this time period. The Senate left Washington on Thursday without making big changes to the PPP program. That's left a lot of small business owners in the lurch. Now, this is legislation that would allow business owners more time to apply for loans under the program and then allow money to be used on things like personal protective equipment. What are small business owners telling you about what they need out of the PPP program? This eight-week payback program is the single most important issue for small business owners. It could make the difference between a small business owner staying open and paying his employees, his or her employees, or closing. The issue is that a lot of businesses are simply not open right now. And so they can't pay their employees. And so they get booked out of this eight-week payback period, and they end up, at the end of the day, with a loan. And that is the last thing that small businesses want right now. They don't want to have to pay a loan back to the government. So this is the case for uh, someone I spoke to in Oregon. His name is Kurt Huffman. He owns a restaurant group. He had to furlough 700 of his employees who work in 24 restaurants. The good news, Ryan, is that he did get PPP loans for all of his restaurants. But the bad news is he realized that he wasn't going to be able to spend it. I spoke to him a week ago, and here's what he said. Yeah, the oh crap moment really uh, was yesterday when it became very clear that the Treasury was not going to modify the forgiveness rules. um, And we knew that we wouldn't be able to wait until we opened to have forgiveness. So now we're just kind of stuck. So his plan, Ryan, is to hold on to the money, even though he can't use it right now, and try to turn it into a loan. It's a low interest loan. But for him, it would be a game changer if they extended this payback period even to 16 weeks. Then he would be able to hold on to the money and then pay his employees when they actually start to come back and work in his restaurants again. 
Now, you did hear the president talking earlier about future stimulus action. Senate Republicans, though, don't seem as, you know, encouraged to do this as the president does. We know for sure, though, it's not going to look like what the Democrats passed, which included extending unemployment benefits. Is it your sense from talking to people out there that expanding those benefits and another stimulus is going to be necessary to keep some of these businesses afloat? Absolutely. I mean, people cannot get more money right now. I mean, people have no source of income, no source of revenue. They have bills to pay. We're now through a cycle where people have had to pay two months of rent, two months of mortgage payments, two months of car payments. They simply need more cash flow. And when you get more cash flow, you can then put more back into the economy. You know, I've spoken to people who receive these stimulus checks and I say, how long did that last you? How long did that, you know, $1,200 last you? one day, right? They're just paying off whatever they have to pay off. I spoke to a lot of single parents, single mothers who are taking care of themselves and obviously their children. One woman I spoke to, Chandy Bozeman, she had to close her salon because she couldn't, you know, see people face to face. And she says that she's never had to rely on the government before. And so she applied for unemployment for the first time, but she was denied. I've never filed for unemployment. Um, and the, the minute that I do, the minute that I need the help, it's not there for me. And, you know, you hear Chandy there. She got quite emotional when I was talking to her because, you know, it's all on her. It's all on her to take care of her household, to take care of her son. And she did not get unemployment. And she just was able to rely on that stimulus check. So she's the perfect example of somebody that could use another round of stimulus money to help keep her and her son afloat right now. Oh, Vanessa, just excellent reporting. I mean, it is so important for you and everyone at CNN to tell those stories. So, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And we're going to talk to one of these small business owners that is trying to navigate the issues that are presented by the pandemic. You're listening to The Daily DC. And we're back now with the CEO of Leadberry, a men's clothing company from Richmond, Virginia, Paul Tribble. Paul, thank you so much for being here. I'm so interested to get your insight on what's going on with the pandemic. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Good to be here. So first, let's just kind of establish what Leadberry is all about. Tell us a little bit about how you started your company and what it means to you to have built what you've built to this point. Uh, well, Leadberry is a, uh, a men's shirt maker. Our whole kind of goal starting out was to make shirts that really fit better, felt better, and lasted longer than anything else in the closet. We've been at it for about 11 years. We started just after the last Great Recession in 2009. So talk to me about what the pandemic's done to your business. It seemed like you were really growing in a big way before everything hit. Tell me what the situation's like now. Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, we like to say we are now making work clothes for people that aren't working. Um, you know, we make <laughs> we make nice dress shirts for people who who like them and can you know afford them and other sort of menswear. So obviously, the dynamics change. There's a lot of people are at home. A lot of people aren't getting as dressed up. And so I think you know early on in the pandemic, uh, particularly kind of the March sort of crisis period, there was a big you know what's going to happen. You know, and how are we going to get through this? And you know, just from our business perspective, we have you know three stores: one in New York, one in DC, and one in Richmond. You know, those all closed in the early March and are continuing 
continue to be closed. We sell to wholesale groups like Bloomingdale's and men's specialty stores throughout the country. Those are all closed or are refusing orders. You know, and then luckily we have our e-commerce business, which we've about over 50,000 customers. And, you know, that continues to run, which has been great. And I think early on we said, you know, what can we do to get through this? And I think the hope was that our customers who have had these long-term relationships were still going to be there to support us. Even if they were at home, they were eventually once like the panic subsided, you know, looking for maybe some retail therapy and just a distraction from the news of the day. And then I think we saw that, you know, where two channels of our business have been closed. You know, our key commerce business has continued to be strong. And frankly, this month so far, it's stronger than it was last year, which really blows my mind. We've done some things like getting into mass production, which has really been a lifeblood for us and a way that we can help people right now with sort of a critical need, but also keep our people employed, you know, keep our factories open. So it really has been a blessing. How quickly were you able to adapt to doing something like making a mask? It is a, a little bit different than making a shirt, but you know the reality is it's fabric and it's sewing machines and it's know-how. And we make a great men's shirt and we have a bespoke workshop here in Richmond, Virginia, where we actually are still making shirts by hand. You can walk in and get your own pattern made. So we have that know-how. And so I think very early on, we started making masks here in our Richmond workshop for you know friends and family and employees. And right about that time, VCU Health System, which is a large health system here in Richmond, really kind of put out a call to the community to say, hey, we need sewers, we need people, we can't get PPE. And so very quickly, we were able to say, hey, we can help and we would love to. And we're able to take our workshop and turn that into something that was just cranking out masks every day as many as we could. And then they would pick them up at the end of the day and get them to healthcare workers. And you know, from there, we said, well, we have these factories with the know-how. We have the fabric mill relationships. Let's turn those on as well. And so for one health system, you know, we've done about 100,000 masks. And then now we're doing masks for businesses, people like Altria and CarMax and Capital One, and then you know, also helping nonprofits. And so really, as I said earlier, it's just been a blessing that we can help and, and help get the country back open, but also, you know, keep our people employed and grow our business at the same time. And talk to me about the impact on your employees. Have you been forced to lay off or furlough anyone? Just talk through that process. Yeah, I mean, it's been challenging. I mean, we're a small team here in Richmond, I and mean, I think we're very lean to begin with. The effects of our store closures, and, you know, one of those is going to be a permanent closure, and, you know, forced us to lay off uh, a handful of folks, you know, which is just tragic. And we did that, you know, I think we tried to hold on as long as we could, but those weeks in March, we just realized, you know, we needed to do that to protect our business. You know, that being said, we've been able to, you know, hire back two of those folks, you know, which is great. And then one was our tailor that's been working for 20 years as a master tailor, and now he's making mask and he's been busier than he's ever been in his entire life. And so we're hoping as we get through this that we'll be able to continue to, to grow our business and to hire back some of those folks. So like it's been challenging. We have a young team. You know, a lot of these folks don't have quite as much experience with 2008 and 2009 or past recessions. And that was bad, but this is really terrible. So certainly our heart breaks for all those that have been affected by this. And have you dealt with the government at all? Have you uh, applied or received a small business loan, gone through the PPP loan process? Has your company been able to take advantage of any of that? And how has that process worked? Yeah, 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 we have. We were pretty quick. We were watching it pretty closely in terms of getting in front of our PPP application and some of the SBA, EIDL applications. That being said, it was still sort of a bit of a challenge, I would say, just from a banking institution perspective about some banks were really ready to do it and some banks weren't. And I think we ended up really, after dealing with a major banking partner, kind of being rescued by our local bank, which is called Atlantic Union, which really was able to process our PPP in a matter of a week or so, which was just incredible. 
incredible. And so I think, you know, for us from a institution perspective, I think it's reminded us how important personal relationships are, whether it's a business or just yourself, your family, whatever it is. But I think that's going to be a big takeaway from this. And, you know, from a government perspective, you know, I'd say that from a business support Uh, The PPP was not flawless, but it was pretty impressive about how much money got to how many people as quickly as it did from when that bill was passed. So I, you know, I think in the first round didn't get to everybody they wanted to. I know the second round has been helpful and I've had friends and other businesses get that. But yes, we, we feel very fortunate that we were able to get that. And frankly, you know, that saved our business during a very difficult time. So if you are somebody, Paul, that is on the front line of this, and I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty going forward, you've been able to weather the storm right now. If I were a member of Congress and I was sitting in front of you, What is one or two things that you would tell me that the government needs to do to keep a small business like yours open and running after we get through this pandemic and onto the other side? You know, I think capital is going to be hugely important. And obviously the PPP was a big step in that. I think A, clarity around the PPP and how that needs to be repaid. Really, that was done without really any of the businesses knowing what exactly the guidelines were going to be on that. So clarity and communication about what's been done is is hugely important. But second of all, it's going to be, you know, continued liquidity. You know, we're buying stocks and the government and then we're supporting people in a lot of different ways. You know, but small businesses, I don't think are going to, it doesn't have to be a grant But I think continuing to have loans available for businesses that can apply is going to be hugely helpful as people get off the slump. And I I think what we're seeing right now, at least the way that I see it and some of the partners that we work with, is the market and then the economy is just flush with government money, like something we've never seen before. And, you know, a lot of, like, say, the specialty wholesale businesses that we sell to, small mom and pop, you know, clothing businesses around the country are saying, hey, let's get open. We feel great. But I think the real question is going to be, is are people going to come back to those stores? You know, is it going to be business as normal? Is it going to be in July when people aren't traveling? What's that going to look like? And I think the government being very sort of thoughtful of keeping in mind small business during that critical period, because that's really where a lot of the pain could potentially happen. Yeah. Well, Paul, your perspective is so important. And, you know, if I can say myself, you make a very nice shirt. Uh, That's my own (laughs) personal endorsement. And of course, your connection to Richmond, Virginia, very important to me as well. So, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to share your perspective with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed talking to you and uh, take care and be safe. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight. So please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It does help people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Thanks so much for listening to me this week. We're off on Monday, but Kristen Holmes will be filling in for David and will be your host next week starting on Tuesday. Stay safe, stay healthy. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.